you dig deep enough and it gets into the very core of your purpose. It gets into the reason that you just cannot deny. It's about excellence. And when you put yourself in situations where you're going to rise to the occasion to bring your best, you want to do that with other people who you know are going to do the same thing. You can pick up energy from other people and put that into your work. We're affected by different things. So really knowing yourself makes all the difference. Go deeper. Find your center. Live life to the fullest. This is the Deeper Connections podcast from The Daily Motivator. Welcome to the Deeper Connections podcast from The Daily Motivator, sponsored by Connections University, where you'll find the Experience Excellence audio program, a resource for encouragement, inspiration, and mastery of life's everyday challenges. Visit deeperconnectionspodcast.com and download Experience Excellence today. It is a trend lately, and it doesn't seem to be going away, that a lot of people are now working at home. And by that measure, they're working independently without any direct supervision. And for a lot of people, that is something new. And it's it's the kind of thing that sounds nice in theory, but when you actually (laughs) start doing it, you realize there are a lot of challenges to it. And I guess you and I, Kim, have been uh, working pretty independently for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, and there are a lot of challenges. You're right. Yeah, yeah, there are. And I I mean, I've I've done, and I think I think we've talked about this a little bit. I've had several different situations in my working career. I was working independently for somebody else for a while, and then I was working for myself independently. Then I was working for myself in an office setting where I had an employee and now I'm working from home. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different ways to get work done. And we tend to think of the traditional office setting or factory setting or retail store or whatever as the place where work gets done. And the home is the place where your personal life is. But Mm -hmm. those have kind of merged now and a lot of people are working from home. So what would you say is is the biggest challenge to something like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like we before we got on this uh recording, I said, gosh, should we talk about should we talk about this from the perspective of when I'm having a great day or <laughs> when I'm not? <laughs> so Right. Well, that's realistic. <laughs> it's very realistic, yes. You have good days and then you have bad days. Yeah. I know for myself, the last week or two have not been that good for me. I've not been that productive, although today has been a good one. And I think, you know, there is something to be learned. I took three days off. We had a long weekend mm-hmm. and I I stayed away from it to, totally. Mm-hmm. I stayed away from my work and that that really helped me. That's a reset. I was ready to get back to it today. Yeah. Yes, it is. And that's one danger is when you are working independently, there's not as much time structure. And so you have this feeling, well, 
if I don't get it done now, I can get it done, say, in a couple of hours. I can get it done tonight before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can also, if you're on a roll, if you're really making good progress, you might want to just keep going for eight, nine, ten hours at a stretch. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And neither of those is really optimal. There's there's a reason, I think, why people do gather together and work in offices with a with a specific time structure. Mm-hmm. And it's because there are some advantages to that. But you can work very well without that structure or without the externalities of it. Mm-hmm. I think you have to impose your own discipline. Right. That's exactly what you have to do. I mean, in looking at what are the greatest challenges for me, distractions would be the number one thing. And distractions can come in all sorts of forms. And distractions happen like you're talking about for people in offices, but the structure that's there in place can help minimize those distractions. So we can put those same kind of structures in place in our home offices and studios. So for instance, I put my phone on silent when I'm going into a particular type of project because I know that any distraction can end my work on that project literally for that whole day. And if that's okay, then that's fine. But if you're working on a project that like so much of what I do and and what you do as well, Ralph, that requires at least an hour to actually get set up before you can even really start the work. You've got to be an hour in before you're ready to dive into that actual project. And if you've got things like your email is open and your phone is on, you may not ever actually get out of the setup phase for your project. Yeah, distractions are a biggie. And if only the phone were the only source of distractions, oh, which right. it is not. You know, there's distractions coming from every direction. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do when I'm writing is I've got a, a software program that is made for writing. And, I, and I've configured it to where when I'm writing on my computer, it's a dark screen with amber letters that are mm. just like the old computer monitors from the 1980s, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing on the screen. I mean, it's totally black. And the only thing on the screen are the letters, uh, the characters that of what I'm writing. Mm, that's excellent. And I find that to be very helpful if I can discipline myself not to exit from that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll I'll need to exit to look at a dictionary or something like that which is fine. Or sometimes I'll actually read a book on top of that. But yeah, that helps to keep me focused and away from the distractions. But the problem is once you once you turn that off, there it's all there and you can mm-hmm. easily go down into a rabbit hole very easily. It, it is so compelling. There's so much information available on your screen. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got, like you say, the interruptions from other people who are emailing and texting you. Sure. And now too, with people at home, you also have a lot more happening in your outdoor environment, in your neighborhood. 
I have neighbors who, this is just a wonderful thing. They play pickleball every afternoon. So their kids and then some of the neighbors, because they are, you know, on two different sides of their net, their neighbors are able to come and play. And it's super cool. And I love it because sometimes I'll take my laptop out in the late afternoon, early evening and sit on the patio and I can hear the pickleball game happening. And that's when I'm doing work that those kind of sounds are really kind of helpful because I'm not alone and it, it, you can hear stimulating things, but I wouldn't do that if I were working on a project where I needed just quiet, but there's a lot of activity in neighborhoods now that we didn't have before. And I've got a lot of construction going on. Uh, like I've mentioned before too, that's just been a crazy thing for me during during the last year, really. I never know what is going to happen next door with the construction. So I'll start something and then I've got a semi that pulls up and starts dumping stones out, you know. And so you have to stop. And so that's a little bit more of an extreme example, but I think everybody has got more activity just in their in their home zone, let's say right now, a lot of things to just look out the window and go, Oh, look at that and kind of be off in la la land, like you're taking a vacation or something, you're just off work and other people in the house as well. Right. (laughs) And, you know, that's a situation for me. Uh, My wife lives here with me. And then then our daughter lives nearby. And she comes and visits a lot. And, you know, I really care about both of them. And I feel like when they're here at the house, I'd like to be involved in what they're doing. Of course. And so that can be a distraction, even though they're being quiet and not not bothering me. Just the knowing. I know that they're here and I want to participate in conversation with them or, you know, I'm mm-hmm. curious about what they're doing. So, yeah, other family members. And then, of course, a lot of people have young children oh, yeah. who can't be depended upon to, to not interrupt. <laughs> and sometimes that can be kind of kind of cute and funny. Right. But it, uh, it certainly does distract. And then, you know, everybody has or a lot of people have uh, lawn services that come and, and, you know, they've got their big, loud mowers and their loud leaf blowers. Mm-hmm. And that to me i find that to be very distracting distracting so oh, i've got yeah. a i've got a spotify playlist of classical music with no lyrics that i listen to mm-hmm. when those people show up put your headphones on just to drown them out yeah i've got my uh, noise canceling headphones mm-hmm. and uh, so that helps and well, that that really does help because in fact the music itself uh, some music of course with with lyrics i you know, I find it hard to focus on other things if I'm listening to a song that has words. Sure. But classical music, instrumental music, I find that will change my my mood instantly. And a lot of times it will get me in the right place to do what I need to do. It puts you, when you've got your headphones on, it actually puts you in a different environment from where you are physically. Yeah, it does. So that's an excellent, I mean, that highly recommended to, if you're struggling with that, to get headphones and and try that method. Absolutely. Right. It rep- represents a transition, a portal to another mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, so I guess that would be the equivalent of like walking into your office or 
walking into your place of business Mm -hmm. if you were doing that somewhere else. Making that transition. Right. A definite portal from one place to another. And Mm -hmm. and you're telling yourself, okay, I'm I'm leaving my home and now I'm going to work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. And along with that transitions, because in a day, our work, we may have several different facets of that. Like I was saying, there are certain things that I have to do in my studio that I cannot have other things going on. I mean, I even obviously when we're recording, I even have to have baffling, right, to block out any other noises so we can get clean recordings. But then there's the other part of the work where I can go sit on the patio and I can have pickleball happening in the background and and have those nice sounds. But transitioning from one to the other. And we talked about this in another episode. And this was really amazing to me because you talked about, um, and you'll have to give me the exact term again, but it was like a residual of the task that you were in previously. And since you said that, I have become acutely aware of that residual and how switching from one task to the other, your brain is still in the previous task for X amount of time. And it made me realize why it's so important. Um, This is kind of funny, something that I thought before, I'm like, why do I do that? Why not so much today, but I thought, why is it that I'll find myself going to the store in between two things or just running down the street to pick something up? What I was doing was making a hard transition for myself so that I would leave one thing behind before I started the next. It was very valuable. So I'm just having to find new ways to do that right now. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I guess we kind of adapt to things even though we don't really understand exactly what we're doing, Yeah, we we realize that certain things work. Mm-hmm. And I think that is true. What you're talking about was the concept of residual attention and the fact that it does take your mind a long time to go from one thing to another, or it does take a certain amount of time. But I think what you're saying about putting on the headphones and listening to music and entering a different environment, that probably reduces that amount of time. That probably helps that transition. In fact, I'm sure it would. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's telling you, this thing's over, this thing's beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pickleball, I think, is interesting. I, I understand what you're saying about uh, certain kinds of work. You would not want that. It would be distracting. But other kinds of work, you can pick up energy from other people. Yes. And put that into your work. So depending on what you're doing, I know that when I was writing a a particular book, there was a restaurant that I used to go to and I would order a meal and eat it and then just sit there with my laptop for maybe an hour or Mm -hmm. so and write. And I was really picking up that energy of other people. I wasn't listening to the details of their conversation, but I could hear the the din of conversation and and kind of the the human energy that was around me. Yes. And that that was very helpful in that situation. So the novel that I wrote, I couldn't write like that. I had to write with music and really be in my own space and use that portal to another world because as a a novel, I was writing fiction, I had to transport myself out of the 
uh, environment of my home and my studio and go somewhere else in my mind to create that. But when I was editing, I did the same thing you're talking about. I found that I actually needed the people energy of going and sitting in the little cafe where I would go in the afternoons after lunch and I would sit and edit for a couple of hours. And yes, I, I had headphones on so that I was listening to music, but the visual of watching people walk around and move around me in this application, it sort of had the same effect as let's say watching the ocean or the clouds, just movement. It sort of put me in a meditative state and I got a lot of work done like that. When we work with other people around us, there is a certain amount of expectation or I I guess I would call it pressure to perform. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want to look like you're slacking off right? <laughs> where everybody else is working. But when you're working independently, that is not so much of a factor. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we do have certain accountability to other people. But I just wonder, uh, do you see that as a as a factor in in getting work done? Having, I mean, I think sometimes it's good to have other people around just because you're maybe you feel like you might be competing with them or trying to match their performance, that kind of thing. Well, I think for me, like when I look at the projects that I do, which I enjoy very much uh, working with other people, like actually in, in their presence. So And it's so funny how our conversations are so different right now because we have to say things like with them, meaning in the same room physically, (laughs) whereas we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have defined that just a few weeks ago. (laughs) But now in this sheltering in place, it's kind of like defining what with means. It's not on Zoom. It's on actually in the room or in, in my case, either working with my band or doing production, large productions, uh, let's say in a stadium setting up when I worked, uh, did music production for the Dallas Cowboys or music production for large concert situations and things like that. One of the things that I found for myself, I'm highly productive in those environments because I love working with other people who bring a lot of excellence to the table it doesn't create a competitive feeling in me as much as it creates a collaborative feeling and an excitement that I get to be with these people who are so excellent at what they do that it's just fantastic to be a part of it. And so it makes me better. And I love that feeling of being at my best because someone else working at their best, you just raise each other up. You just raise the bar. Well, yeah, there's a certain amount of inspiration, I think, Mm -hmm. that you can take from seeing other people doing their jobs well. And yeah, that's very inspiring. Yeah, with the band, uh, one of the things that's always been there are the times when I look over at the bass player, look over at the guitar player, look over at my sister as a singer, and I feel in awe that I get to work. And really with this, I get to play with that other person. And 
it feels like such a gift to me. You know, there are so many ways to do that. This is the same thing, doing this podcast. Even if I'm not feeling very productive on a certain day, if we're going to record the podcast, then there's a little spark of energy when I think, oh, good, I'm going to get in a conversation with Ralph that we're going to be able to put out. And I want to bring my best to the table when I'm doing that, because then I know other people will be listening to it. And so I see that as a full-blown collaborative effort. And for me, just like so much of what we've talked about on this podcast, it's about excellence. And when you put yourself in situations where you're going to rise to the occasion to bring your best, you want to do that with other people who you know are going to do the same thing. So how do we get that when we're working, when we're forced to be apart from each other? Well, I think that you create situations for yourself to do that. So I know that I'm really a half and half. You could say I'm half introvert, half extrovert, maybe. Probably more extroverted, but I need lots of large swaths of time by myself. And part of that is creative thinking time. Part of it is just knowing that The work that I do has to be very highly focused and there are certain tasks that I do better when I'm really alone. But when I feel myself starting to lose some energy, there's a couple of things that happen. This is about really knowing yourself because we're all different. We're affected by different things. So really knowing yourself makes all the difference. I know when my energy is starting to flag, a couple of things can happen. I have a tendency to drive myself extra hard as opposed to stopping, which then means that my brain, it's sort of like this loop. It's just scrolling around and around and around and I'm working, but I'm not really working at a really productive level or at the level I want to. And that's when it does me a lot of good to stop and make a phone call to actually connect with someone else to pull me out of that loop that I'm in. And if it's too late to make a phone call or something like that, then I engage with something that's going to draw my mind completely out of that situation. So really, so it takes me out of that attention residue place like you're talking about. What I get from what you're saying is a sense of purpose. You've got to have a strong sense of purpose, I think. Yes. And you have to connect what you're doing to that purpose, right? Very much. And there, there is a connection. So whatever you're doing, there's a reason why you're doing it. Yes. And there's a reason behind the reason. And you dig deep enough and it gets into the very core of your purpose. It gets into the reason that you just cannot deny. Yes. And so for me, I know that's very important for me to get anything done is to know that it's meaningful. And I know, you know, there's a lot of jobs where you're asked to do things that you probably don't agree with and you wouldn't do them the way that you're doing them. But still, there's a reason why you're doing it Mm -hmm. because you're getting paid for one thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can use that money to further 
whatever purpose you have in your life. But it's very important. And so there's there's always got to be something. You're not just there working for no reason at all. Right. And even if it is somebody else's reason, it's also your reason too. Mm-hmm. You also have a vested interest in it because you've chosen to do, to do that for uh, for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's important. It's really interesting to me that even doing work like unloading the dishwasher for instance or taking out the trash, things that may seem like mindless work is really good for you. It's really good and especially in the culture that we're in now that really prides itself on being so highly productive all the time. It's good to do things that are repetitive, that don't involve having to engage your mind so fully all the time, because that is taxing as well. You need those things that give you a break. Let me just say gardening for me is a huge thing. That is hard, hard work. I'll go out and get the shovel and dig holes and and dig plants out of one area and move them somewhere else and it's hard it's it's labor but i love it because it feels so good to use my physical body to do some work and it takes my mind away from the constant thinking i find when i'm doing that i'm just enjoying the pure physical and for me that's a very important thing well, I'm glad to hear that. I and, and I want to make an offer to you when you do. <laughs> I think I know what's coming. <laughs> you know, when you do eventually sell your house, you're welcome to come to my house and do that gardening. <laughs> I know how how important that is to you. So, but you know, actually, I got to tell you, you're not the first person who has offered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I I like to do that too. I mean. I've been a couple of weeks ago, I dug up just probably about a 20 foot square area in a bed that was just overgrown with weeds. And, and I'm, when I say weed, I mean something that's 15 feet tall, you know, <laughs> <laughs> chopping them out with a mattock and, and, you know, going down to the roots and, and getting all that stuff. And it it's hard work, like you say, mm-hmm. but it, it is, it's, it gives you some, some new kind of energy. Mm-hmm. to do that. It, it it takes your mind off having to focus so intently on mental work mm-hmm. because it, it is not mental. There's a few decisions to be made. And I think that's probably a big part of it. There's not a lot of decisions that you have to make. Once you decide to take out this bush or whatever, then it's just a lot of manual labor to do exactly. it. And you also get such a sense of accomplishment. You can mm-hmm. stand back And in fact, you know, I'll just park a chair in front of it and sit there and look at what I did. Mm -hmm. And it's very satisfying to do that. It really is. A lot of work that you do, mental type work, intellectual type work, you can't can't really get that level of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know, you're solving difficult problems and you're making a lot of progress. But at the end, <laughs> you kind of look at uh, look at what you've got, and you're sort of where you started, right? Yeah. Yes. But mm-hmm. if you're doing something like gardening or or yard work or working around the house or any kind of uh, manual work like that, it is a great 
level of satisfaction. I remember when I was growing up, we had a neighbor who was a physician, and he dealt with very seriously ill people. And he loved to work in his yard mm-hmm. because at, at his job as a doctor, he didn't always have the satisfaction of getting positive results. Right. You know, a lot of his patients didn't make it. Mm-hmm. But he could go work in his yard and he could sit back and look at, at what he had done and feel satisfied that he had done a good job. And right. that was very important to him. I, that reminds me when I was writing my novel, and this is something for you to think about if you are involved in a project that's a lengthy project, something that is going to take months or maybe even years. And when you were talking, it reminded me of this, Ralph, that can be really hard to find that sense of fulfillment and gratification because the end of it is too far out. So when I was writing my novel and I knew that it was it was going to take a while to do that, I found myself needing something to give me some gratification, even though it was satisfying to write a chapter. It still, I knew that the end of it was a long way out. So I started watercolor painting during that time. It was such a joy to me. And what I found I loved about it was that I was able to start a watercolor painting and finish it in one sitting. And I painted prolifically during that time because I loved the the feeling of starting and seeing it go down on the paper and then finishing it and then framing it and giving it to someone. And I think that it's good for you to have projects that you can start and complete so that you can get that sense of gratification. And then that gives you energy to stay in the longer term project. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, I think we're wired for that. Mm -hmm. It's a feedback mechanism, I guess, to keep us... uh, keep us interested in what we're doing. We, we mm-hmm. want to know that we're, we're making progress and we want mm-hmm. to see the result of what we're doing. So that's yeah. a great suggestion. Yeah. Just little small projects that you can feel really great about. And I would say very importantly, small projects that bring you joy. Another thing that I noticed somewhere the other day, this was a really, really good little lesson that I came across looking at the fact that Today, we have what we call priorities, and it's really interesting that that used to be called our priority, and now it's priorities. And so that causes us to have too many things that we're trying to look at and complete, too many important things on the table at once, which can make decision-making very difficult. And so I know I run into this and I'll have to whittle down priorities to literally ask myself. And we talked about this on another episode. I talk out loud because when I can hear it coming back to me, there's a sense of organization there. So that gets into where I might have another person. If I don't have that other person there, I use my own self, my own voice. And if I've got this to-do list and I say, Kim, that's not going to be possible today or this week. So instead of those priorities, out of those, what is the priority, the one thing? And then that's my starting point. I work on that first. Wow. I like that. 
Yeah, it was very, when I came across it, I thought, now there's something I can use. Yes. Well, yes, I was thinking the same thing when you were just saying that. <laughs> and if if you've heard something on this episode that you can use, we'd appreciate it if you would write us a review on iTunes, and then maybe some other people can find out about our podcast as well. And we do appreciate your recommendation. Thank you. When you need a break, a word of encouragement, a spark of creative juice and inspiration for mastering the challenges of life, work, and relationships, you'll find it in the Experience Excellence audio series from Connections University. You can download it right now through the link at deeperconnectionspodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the show at deeperconnectionspodcast.com so you'll automatically get the latest episode as soon as it's available. You'll find options for iTunes and other platforms. You'll also find links to the music in this podcast, written and performed by Local Honey. I'm Ralph Marston. And I'm Kimberly Kane. Thanks for taking the journey with us. Be courageous in all of your connections. Go deeper. Your life will be richer for it. This is Deeper Connections. Learn more. Be more. At DeeperConnectionsPodcast.com.